Excuse me, our lesson comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 15, the whole chapter. But I got a praise for you already today. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Did I get an amen on that one? Yeah, we go. Uh, I'm going to cover pieces and parts of it. Uh, I can find where I left my notes. But Corey Asbury sings a song, praise and worship music, sings a song called Reckless Love. And in there, he makes this comment that God leaves the 99 to find the one. You really need to understand that. It comes out of Luke chapter 15, the verse parable that Jesus talks about in verse 4, the 99 sheep, and he goes after the one. You need to understand one thing about that is, and this is where studying Hebrew pays off a little bit. And on his website, Corey Asbury website, he talks about this also. The number 100, it's Kof, Q-O-O-F in Hebrew, by the way. Just, this is just the technical stuff. It stands for the number 100, God's election of grace, children of promise. His promise to his children. When Jesus was about to be crucified, he promised us that he would never leave us. And so when one of us strays, God's promise is to come looking for us. And so I titled the sermon, it's going to be all of 15 runs together here. And I'm going to hit the high, the first two I'm going to read, then I'm going to hit the highlights on the last one. God's promise to us is that he will never leave us or forsake us. That he's always there. And I titled the sermon is, Heaven... It's incomplete without you. The 100 is a complete number, and so if there's only 99 in heaven, it's incomplete. God is searching for you. And, and so let's roll on with this. Uh, now, the parable of the lost sheep, it starts off with here, my Bible at least, that all the tax collectors, the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, The man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Heaven is incomplete without you. And that's what this story is really about. The love of God. As he searches for you. John Wesley calls this grace. All graces are the same. All grace is the same. But we have divided them up to make an understanding. It's called provenient grace. God is calling you today into a deeper relationship with him. He's not satisfied where that relationship is today. He wants to be a draw into a deeper, deeper relationship with him. And he's willing to leave all behind to come and get you. 
He's willing to leave it all behind to come and get you. When we get to this parable in the Bible study, we'll talk about the 99 real quick. But for this case, for this sermon today, you need to know that God's love, just like the girls have sung, God's love is for you. He is for you. He will do anything to search you out for you. Now, the next parable of the story is verse 8. Oh, what woman having ten silver coins, if she that loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends, neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. This would be the word of God for the people of God. Let me get back to technicalities real quick. You don't really need to know this stuff, but I, I like it. Uh, ten is the perfect divine number order. So ten times ten is a hundred. You guys got to understand Hebrew there. It's an order of completeness, an ordinary, uh, ord, ordinal perfection. It is also the protection of the least. Remember Jesus says, what you did to the least of these, you did to me. That's the number 10, the least. And reality is, let's just go, we're going to cut to reality today. We need to hear the truth today. You are the least of these. You are a sinner deserving of death, but by the love of God, he has come to us. He has laid it all aside and come searching for you and me. And, and so he's come and invites us into this relationship. He invites us into this relationship to be in heaven with him. Eternal salvation. Now the final story in Luke 15, again, they say they're all tied together. We don't usually read them together. That's our problem. It's tied together. I'm not going to read this one. I'm going to paraphrase it until I get to the part that I need to. So here's the, here's the story. There's a farmer. There's Joe Dixon and his kids. And one of them sit there and says, Daddy Joe, I'm tired of waking up early. Because you know Joe, Joe would sit there with the kids in the morning and say, Get up, boys, you're burning daylight. Dad, it's four in the morning, it's still dark out. Well, it's daylight somewhere. Isn't that right, Joe? <laughs> so, but so farmers, farmers, I don't care what they farm. They're the hardest working people. They're, they really are the hardest working people. But so the farmer gets up. His son finally gets tired of it, sees that dad has a lot. And he sits there and says, dad, give me my portion of my inheritance. And if you understand uh, Hebrew law here real quick, the oldest son would have got two thirds. and The younger son would have got a third. And so give me a third of everything that is owed to me. Of course, you can't take the land that dad probably gave him the money for the land. And the son, we know the story. Most of us know it here. The son goes and squanders it off on wild living. Friends, women, booze, the whole nine yards. And when he runs out of money, he runs out of food and he runs out of friends. We all know that story probably too well, do we not? Uh, as soon as you run out of any kind of money, your friends are gone too. I don't know where they go, but they're on somewhere else. But so there he is, goes along, and the kid's feeding pigs, and that's just, a, the, again, another part of that story, because pigs were unclean to the Jews. So he's feeding pigs, he comes up with this story about how he said, he's going to tell his daddy, he's sinned against his father, just make me a hired servant, just bring me back and feed me. But there's a problem with this story that we don't understand unless you understand the Hebrew culture at this time. 
The son, what he really told dad, dad, I wish you were dead. And remember what the first law of what the promise is? Honor your mother and father, you will live a long life. Because if you don't honor your mother and father, the townspeople, not only mom and dad, but the townspeople had the right to take you to the center of town, tie you to a stump, and stone you to death. Boy, would we get our rooms cleaned if we did that today? I've been thinking about that, Weston. <laughs> How would our room look today if that was still the thing? He disgraced his father in public. He deserved to die. And so we know the story, and I read a devotion on this not too long ago. We wrote the story, and what we, what we realize is that the father sees the son a long way off. The father probably never stopped looking for his son. He never stopped looking for him. He probably sat on the front porch and looked. He probably just handed over the rest of the farm to his servants in there. He may have had to go eat, may have had to do some other personal things, and he may have had to attend to. Bobby had to sleep here and there. But most of the day was spent on the porch looking for his son. And, and we see this as a beautiful story because when he comes, because the other thing, you want to talk about disgrace for a mature man with uh, grown children if you ran after your child, I mean, ran and did what this father did, is another major disgrace to yourself. Because the son was to come to you or the child was to come to you. You don't go to the child because it's a place of honor. And so the father is constantly looking for his son. And we just see this as an awe love story. You know, the father, you know, and we see how Jesus is in there looking for us. But there's more to the story. If the townspeople get him first, they're going to drag him to the center of town and they're going to kill him. They're going to stone him to death. If the townspeople can get to him first, they will drag him to the center of town and the father can do nothing about it. And they're going to tie him and they're going to stone him to death because of the disgrace that he has done to his father. It is imperative that the father get to him first. So when the father sees him, we're going to put this story in a biblical board in a second. When the father sees him, he has to run. He has to run his hardest and his fastest so the townspeople don't get him and kill him. He has to go because what's the first thing the father does? Stop everything. The kid's trying to talk. Stop it. Put on the robe. Put on the signet ring because as soon as the signet ring is on the son, he belongs back to the father and the townspeople can't touch him. Does that when the father, when the townspeople come and say, sir, your son is deserving of death, the son has to do nothing but show up his ring. Look at me. I belong to the father. He has gave me my ring back. I belong to the Father. You can't touch me when the son goes to town by himself and those people would despise him. And they wanted to kill him or hurt him. Don't touch me. I belong to the Father. I am my Father's son. Yeah, I was lost, but he brought me back. He loved me so much that he brought me back. He gave me the robe, he gave me the sandals, and he gave me the ring. He put his mark upon my life. Let's look at this. The father disgraced himself so his son could live. Do that story ring a bell about a man named Jesus that left it all in heaven? 
come down to the earth for the one one of us that was a sinner that he would die for. He disgraced himself to be hung on a cross so you and I could have life. He died so you and I could have life more abundantly. Man, is that an awesome story or what? This is the story about Jesus. And when he sees us, he pulled up his, girded up his garment and he runs after us. Now there's another part of this story we come to is the son, the elder son. It kind of really fits into the first parable. And a lawyer friend of mine, it's also becoming a preacher, a lawyer friend of mine, we have this devotional thing. He talked about this real quick, about the law. Which is not talk biblical law, it's just talk everyday law. Why do we have the law? I mean, you know, we got speed limits, we got, you know, what you can and can't do, you know, with the law, what we can do with our property and everything else. And Liberty Justice, I think that's what her name is, Liberty Justice, she holds the scales correctly. And the law is supposed to be on one side and then uh, whatever it is on the other side. She's wearing something. What is she wearing? Blindfold. There we go. She's wearing a blindfold. What's the blindfold signify? Is that everybody is equal in the eyes of the law. The liberty, the justice does not look at the favor of the rich. Don't watch the news lately, but it's supposed to be it doesn't favor the rich, it doesn't favor the poor, uh, the African Americans or the whites. Nobody's supposed to have any preference to the law. We're all to be judged the same. The law is there to protect us. That's the purpose of the law. I'm not saying it works that way in our perfect world that we live in. The law is there to protect us. But this lawyer says, and he was a prosecutor, and he sat there and he says, but guess what lawyers do with the law? He says, when we get in court, we use the law to tear people down. He says, we want that person to look like the biggest scoundrel, worthless person. Y'all ever been to court before? When, so when you, especially when you're on the, the side of the defense and you know somebody on the defense and the prosecutor gets up and speaks? I was on a thing, it was a minor thing, and the prosecutor got, this monster right here, that's how he started it off. And the whole court session went on from there. And he just tore down. Every, you know, he brought back things 20 years ago. This guy was caught for speeding, he was caught for this, he did this, he was laid under the bill. Everything he could come up with to tear the person down. And the guy says, how are we in the church? The law, the word of God, Genesis to Revelation, is to be a shield for God's people. It is to be a shield for God's people. And too many times inside the church, when one of our people stray, as we hear here in the Bible, stray, what do we do? Well, in the Bible, it says, we use the Word of God as a sword instead of the Word of God as a love and a shield. My famous line is, they're church people, oh, you read the Bible often? Oh, yeah, I read it all the time. When are you going to start living it? That's right up front. They probably could ask me the same thing. And so we're sharing this story about the things about church and, and people in the church and everything else. Pastors, we got to get a lot of stories about church people. And he sat there and he says, how many of us, he's talking to pastors now, is guilty of using the word of God against people in the church as a sword and not a shield to protect them? 
Man, just let me get on my knees right now and start praying for forgiveness. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the whole chapter is not about marriage and everything else. It works for marriage. But it's about the love. The love, love, to love each other, to love each other. That's what the whole word of God is about. That's what this whole story is. Is God's love is so much that he will leave 99 behind to get the one. That where there's 10, he'll leave it behind to get the one. That when one has disgraced the father, you mean the bad. That there is no sin that is so bad that the father won't take you back. The only sin that's so bad is that you reject God so much that when you die, you've never accepted him as your savior. But God is once there. So if heaven is incomplete without you and me, correct? We got that? We're all going to agree on that, right? Heads up and down. Amen. All right. What about your neighbor? Is heaven incomplete without that neighbor? Is heaven incomplete without the guy you were pumping gas next to yesterday? Is heaven incomplete with that lady that was at the Walmart that's having a frustrated day and she, she probably don't act like she's a Christian? She may not even know who Christ is. Is heaven incomplete without her? Let's say about prison ministry real quick. Those who are in prison, if they die in prison or die after prison, they don't hear the love of God. Is heaven incomplete without them? So if heaven is incomplete without those around us, our neighbor, what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Are we sharing the love of God? Uh, Brownie does our children's time over there at the other church. She talked about pollen and the, how pine trees, I never knew this before. The pine, I remember last year Brenda had something over here. The pine tree has a cross on it this time of year at the top. And the trees are wind-pollinated. I think you know, the pollen blows from one tree to the next. And, we, of course, where else does it go? In our lungs, on our car, on our motorcycle. Or, you, mean, you leave it outside, it's covered in yellow. And she used the pollen as God's love for us and that we're supposed to be showing. And think about when you get up in the morning, you go out to your car, and you didn't park it underneath the carport or garage, how much pollen is on it? How much, if that's supposed to be, represent the love of God, how much of the love of God do we share with others? Are we like pollen? Is people sneezing and coughing and hacking because we've affected their life so much? Why not if heaven is incomplete without them? See, we so many times take, we just look inward at ourselves as a church. It's just about me. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I come to church. I put a little money in the offering place. I go to Bible study. Sometimes I teach it. I do. I go to Wednesday night. I sing in the choir. Name the things that you do. The most important thing you can do is to share the love of God with your lost neighbor. Because not only is heaven incomplete without you, heaven is incomplete without them. In fact, in Matthew or Luke, I found it. I couldn't find it. Uh, Luke chapter 9. We'll talk about this. We're not quite there yet with our Bible study on Wednesday night. Uh, the Samaritan village rejects the Savior is the title of that whole thing starting at 51. But it gets down to 55. The, the people are mad at the Samaritans because they won't let Jesus come through to go to there. And they want to cast down fire. Lord, let us cast down fire and burn that Samaritan village up. Man, I was reading, I was reading that, figure, how do you get that power? Imagine this, imagine this there, Billy. You're driving down the road, the guy in front of you cuts you off, and you got the power to cast down fire on that car. Woof, <laughs> God, take out that car right there. Poof. Whatever the population would be a lot less, would it not? 
Lucky we don't have that power. But verse 55. But Jesus turned to them, because they're talking bad about the Samaritans. Jesus turned to them and rebuked them and said, Billy, next time your wife says something to you, say this to her. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. What vessel does God use today to save lives? You and me. And if heaven is incomplete without them, what are we doing to get them into heaven? As we close the sermon, in your bulletin, you're going to need your bulletin today. If you don't have one, share with the one next to you. There's a prayer. I wrote a prayer and put it in the bulletin today. Actually, I didn't write it. I copied it off somebody, that guy's devotion that he wrote. So don't give no credit to Larry for this. Let us pray this prayer together out loud. You all there on your bulletin? Okay. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a son or daughter. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a saint. Amen.